Hey, Rockheads. This is Music to Code by Track 12. Check this out. Oh yeah, just what you need to get in the zone when you write code. And get this, we just added a site license. Download it once, share it with everybody in your office. Check it out at musictocodeby.net. Net Rocks, episode 1294, with guest Joshua Vergara. Recorded Wednesday, April 20th, 2016. And there you go. Hey, time for .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. We're here again for another hour. Josh Vergara is with us, but uh, before we talk to him about all things Android, we have a little business we like to do. And what's that business? Better Know Framework. Awesome. <laughs> Darn, buddy, what do you got? My brother actually sent this to me. For those who don't remember, my brother Jay is a Java programmer, and uh, we, we have this little you know side channel of funny things related to programming by email. And uh, he found this website, ClassicProgrammerPaintings.com. Oh, man. Or, you know, 1294.pwop.me. But go to ClassicProgrammerPaintings.com. These are classic paintings with new titles. <laughs> and they're all related to IT <laughs> or developers. Oh, no. My favorite one is uh, The Death of Socrates. You know, this, this painting, uh, from Jacques Louis David, very, very famous where Socrates is drinking the hemlock and he's got his finger pointed up. You know, it's a classic painting, but it's been renamed developer explaining SEO to marketing. <laughs> all these people are just, all these people are just cowering around him. You know, it's great. <laughs> I drank what? <laughs> you want what? <laughs> yeah. So many, so many funny things that, it helps if you know art history, but even if you don't know what these paintings are, they're still funny. Yeah, look <laughs> up the originals. They're 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 important stories. These that's are right. these are classics. No two ways about it. Yep, yep. Uh, that's hilarious. Dude. Isn't that great? And they go uh, on and on and on. It seems like there's no end to them. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Do they have the Last Supper on there? Uh, you know, I haven't gotten that far, but quite possibly that that might yeah. that must be a good one. Let me see. I don't <laughs> see it. No. Well, you know, the, uh, the famous Salvador Dali painting with uh, the clocks, you know, the melting clocks. The melting clocks. watches, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, java.util.date. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm trying to find ones that, you know, everybody knows and can yeah. see. Terrible, but funny. But very funny. Very, yeah. very funny. Uh, the one with um, John the Baptist's head on a plate. Yes. Get blame. <laughs> 
All right. Who's talking to us, Richard? Grabbed a comment off of show 1280, the one we did with Charles Stacey Harris when we talked about making band apps. Yeah. Which turned a really great conversation going on in the, in the discuss for this, just because there's, you know, this is as much consumer as it is development in that, in that space. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Carlo Wallstead said, I've had the band two for several months and was really intrigued to hear this podcast. I knew there were a lot of sensors in the band, but I didn't realize there were quite that many, mm. especially the skin temperature sensor. It would be neat if that showed up in the health app. Yeah. I'm additionally interested in what features you're putting into your office. So, of course, ah. this is one of the shows where we talked about me mid-restoration of my office, which hopefully, hopefully, will be done by the time the show is published. No, there's not a chance of that. Is this pub- coming out chance. middle of May? Not a chance. We've kind of set a deadline of end of May, and it's going to be a dead drag race. There's no, no two ways about it. Yeah. Uh, Carlo goes on to say, I'm currently in the process of building a home office, having a clean slate to start with is exciting. Mm. Now, that's a really mean thing to say. I know, you know? really. <laughs> I didn't want to have a clean slate. It just had an inch of water all over it. <laughs> you can put anything in the office that you want. The problem is I haven't really come up with anything that I couldn't add to my current office fairly easily. In-wall surround sound and a status light outside my door are currently my two biggest features. I'd like oh, to hear wow. what your list is. Well, mm. the the on-the-air light outside the door is definitely there. Yeah. Uh the parts arrived because we're recording this in, in April for me to build the, my sound tile light fixture. So let's call it the sound tile chandelier, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they, I've got a big 48 by 24, um, sound tile, you know, something you'd normally anchor on a wall. We're going to back it in, in plywood and hang it from the ceiling. Mm. And I'm actually edging it in LED light. So it's, it is sort of the fill light for the room, awesome. but. Sort of targeting it right in the middle of the room where all the sound would normally reflect so that it grabs it and, uh, and actually, uh, absorbs that sound. Awesome. Wow. That sounds great. Yeah. It's a, it's a clever trick. Well, that and the big red button, which I think I put on Twitter a couple of times. Yeah. The big red button that turns on my on the air light. I mean, you could have just put a switch, but who does that? Who does that? So <laughs> I got a custom engraved like emergency stop button that actually says on the air. And you pop it out and it turns the light on and you push it in and it turns the light back on. I like that. I need one of those. I have a hidden uh, light switch underneath my, uh, and I asked them to make it facing forward so I could actually see because, you know, it's got a little lamp in the switch. And uh, when he put it in, I don't know where I was, was in the bathroom or something. I come out and it's hidden underneath my desk. I can't see it. So Ah. it drives me crazy because every time I walk out the door and I see, oh, the light's on, I got to turn around and come back. Yep. Yeah. I feel like you should have like a, an alarm sound every time you're pushing that button. Yeah, yeah when, right. you, when you change it, it's like bring, bring, bring. Well, part of the way this works is I've got it tied into that new LED lighting system, right. which makes it dirt simple as we start making changes upstairs in the new lighting system to tie that button into an indicator upstairs as well. So mm. I'm thinking about these things. Sounds good, Richard. Anyway, there will be some pictures of the new lighting system. People are pretty excited about that. Uh, so, Carlo, thank you so much for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or via any of our social media because we publish every show to Facebook and Google+. And if you comment there, we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. By the way, I just had a huge conversation about the Supersonic Geek Out on Google+. Cool. And, you know, lots of folks just sort of talk about Google Plus being dead. But in some ways, it's like, I think Facebook is now so busy, nobody goes there anymore. Right. And so, there's sort of a, a real 
community hanging out on Google Plus in in the techie space. Well, that's and, cool. Uh, lots of conversation going on there. That's cool. If you if you write to us, I will write you back. Right, <laughs> and of course you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Richard Campbell. Please send us a tweet. We uh, fertilize our lawns with them. And now let me introduce Josh Vergara. He, uh, we met him at Build. Um, he was one of the podcasters uh, that came at Richard's uh, and Microsoft's uh, invitation that are not .NET podcasters. He actually has a podcast called Android Authority, which he'll tell you about. But that's where we met him. And um, he's the head of production at Android Authority, where he reviews Android flagship devices for their YouTube channel. And Josh has been at Android Authority for over three years now. And in that time, the YouTube channel has grown immensely as it is close to hitting 2 million subscribers. That's awesome. Since starting, Josh has dropped iPhones, broken Nexus devices on the Google campus, almost got kicked out for that one, and even reviewed a couple Windows phones, namely the Lumia 928, which he was actually quite a fan of. In his spare time, Josh works on his own channel, Tech and Tea, and participates in a number of hobbies that include fitness, tea drinking, video games, and karaoke. You can find Josh on Android Authority reviewing the latest and greatest in Android. Welcome, Josh. Hey, thanks for having me. It's very much an honor and a privilege of mine to be able to be here with you guys. And also, Build, I still have some great, I, I have a bit of, I have like a little bit of withdrawals from that show. Yeah, I thought it was, it was so much fun. <laughs> it was so much fun. It was intense. It was an intense few days. <laughs> it was intense for us because, you know, we've been waiting for the day where we've been able to, you know, with one tool go all the way from, you know, uh, Windows to Android to iOS without a lot of expense and ceremony. And, you know, oh, yeah. and Scott Guthrie just dropped that bomb. It was like uh, he got a standing ovation for a minute and a half or something. It rattled oh, yeah. him. That's a, one of the few times I've seen him. He was sort of at a loss for words. The reaction was so strong. Right. Yeah. Oh, so you guys really wanted this, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but it's really interesting because you're like a dyed-in-the-wool Java uh, Android developer, right? Uh, actually, <laughs> this was the funniest part about being at Build was the fact that um, two things real quick. I have to put all my cards on the table right now. Okay. Uh, even though we were classified as podcasters there, I actually never recorded a, a podcaster. I, I instead recorded a lot of interviews okay. in order to get a lot of information at the show that I felt like I had very little knowledge about. Um, because not only am I a big Android person from the consumer side, I actually have never touched any developer tool. I've never done any development whatsoever. Not even an Android app of any kind. Not even a clock. Hey, <laughs> not you even know, a clock app. We, you're still cool, though. I mean, you can hang. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I thought I thought it would be a fun show just because, it, and I got this from hanging out with you at Build. It's like you have such a different viewpoint because you're not Im immersed in the code and so forth right. about what these devices are like. I think mm. for us as developers, we're almost too tied up in what it takes to write the code than to really think about how they use them. Like, mm. I, I, I first ran across you, Josh, smashing phones. That seemed to be your <laughs> thing at the beginning, right? It's just like, look how brittle <laughs> these iPhones are. Cause they, you sneeze on an iPhone, it breaks. Mm. And, and that, just that viewpoint on, you know, the average mortal has a heck of a time with these phones. They are delicate devices. Well, six plus is a little more sturdy. I've found it. Maybe it's just the case that it's in for me. But I found that the glass uh, is pretty shatterproof. I, I have ruined many an iPhone. 
however, older ones. Well, I've never dropped a plus before, but I will admit that, you know, a, a much larger surface area for the front facing glass, I would imagine that, you know, any, any little tumble, especially on any, let's say hard surface and any little bit of that could, and everyone, you see a lot of people with at least iPhones in particular, I've seen some Android phones be able to do this, but not all of them, where you crack certain parts of the screen, but you're still using it. And yeah. I always wonder mm -hmm. people who are doing that because I remember trying to use a Nexus device after I dropped it. And I remember cutting my finger on that thing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen people with four S's that the screen is basically fragments. And yeah, yeah. It, I mean, they must be wearing bits of that phone in their fingertips. Yeah. Yeah, right. exactly. And you don't, you really don't want that <laughs> at all. Um, because I mean, the, the very, very tiny fragments, like, you know, you think about splinters with wood, like you really want glass in your finger. And yeah, I just yeah. see so many people that just have broken spider webbed glasses, uh, right. as, as they call it. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. And it, you can do the repair yourself. I actually did it. And I found a YouTube video that helped me do that. But there's like a, a kit you can get with a suction cup and little tiny screwdrivers. And I, I can't remember which version of the iPhone it was, but I actually did it. But the repair at a local shop is like a hundred bucks, you know. So that's probably what is the real reason people don't do it. But on the Android side, it's not just about the hardware because the hardware comes from other places. The Android is the operating system only. So the mm -hmm. phones, you get this wild wild difference of uh of phones and sizes and sturdiness and all of that <laughs> yeah and it always it always makes well we're talking about hardware if we're going to segue into the software stuff hardware yes you get um android really being put on a lot of different manufacturers phones obviously you got your htcs of the world samsung's and your lg's those are kind of being considered like the big three, but you have like these Chinese manufacturers that are coming into the Western market. Um, anyone who's familiar with the Nexus program knows that the best Nexus phone that has been made to date, the 6P was made by Huawei. And I loved that on the back of that phone, Huawei was like very tiny on the bottom because it was almost as if like Google was like, don't, don't worry about it. Like it's a good phone. Don't worry. <laughs> like, mm, don't fine. Think We're not going to talk about that. Yeah, we're not going to talk about the, you know, don't worry, Huawei is a good company, but we won't, we're not going to draw a spotlight onto the fact that this Chinese company <laughs> is making this phone. Right. So no one worry about that. It's a sturdy phone. Well, I mean, all the iPhones are made in China anyway, right? Just because they're branded with Apple doesn't mean it isn't Chinese manufacturer. Well, that's true. But every every box and almost, a, I don't remember if it says it on the phone, but I know every single box, it doesn't say made in China. It says designed in California. Ah. <laughs> ah. So, <laughs> so that's always that's always the way they've skirted that, you know, and they and they can't say like designed in Cupertino because no one knows what the hell Cupertino so, is. And <laughs> if it says shipped via California, then <laughs> you know that's that's exactly. the lowest part. That's a possibly relationship there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know, kind of segueing into the software side of things, you know, if we we're going to talk about development at all, it's. One of the biggest issues with Android, I think this is the reason why uh, back at Build, the Xamarin, uh, the, the Xamarin acquisition and the subsequent announcement were so important is because it's sort of a consolidation of, of software, for, especially from Microsoft's side, where in the Android world itself, it's massively fragmented. Yeah, You have so many devices across so many different platforms, uh, not really platforms, that's the wrong word for it, but you have so many different iterations, rather, of Android that whenever someone develops an app, a game, or anything for Android, they have to take into account probably upwards of two, three dozen different phones mm -hmm. just to make sure that it works across all of those different phones. Right. Do you see that ever coming together into a unified sort of uh, 
platform again, for lack of a better word, or is it necessary because of all the diversity of hardware? I think that I think that at least right now it is necessary. I think it will remain necessary for because it kind of keeps from what I've heard from any any developers on, let's say, um, uh, the website XDA or even in Android Authority's own forums that it kind of keeps developers on their toes, you know, because it keeps it it, it, it almost facilitates it, it. It's kind of a weird way of looking at it. It facilitates updates because you get people reporting all the time that on their particular phone. Yeah. Even if it's like two years old, they're like, oh, it's, it's got this bug or it's not really working. Right. But at the same time, what we've seen in the last couple of years is that Google actually does want to pull the reins a little bit. Hmm. They, they do want to sort of not really unify, but they want to create certain APIs that are just Google based so that every phone uses the same uh, API. So it does make a little bit of sense from Google standpoint, but then does that really mean that Android, this is, this is the question that everyone poses, but no one's answered it. If Google does that enough, does that take away the open source in Android open source projects? Or just the openness of it. I mean, one reason that developers love uh, Android is, you know, and users, hardcore users, because they can root the phone and they can replace little pieces of the OS and rewrite their own stuff. You know, there it's a very much a, a tweaky, uh, a tweaker's paradise, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was what got me into it in the first place, because I remember... It was always um, in the, at least in the laptop or computing world, everyone was starting. I remember back in college, everyone was starting to get their metal Mac, their aluminum MacBooks. And I remember being envious of that because they look so sleek. And then everyone's like, oh, uh, uh, Mac OS 10 is so amazing and everything. And then the iPhone came out and everyone was trying to, it became like this war. It's almost as if Apple has always been at war with somebody else, uh, just <laughs> in the consumer's mind. And everyone's just like, oh yeah, you know, iPhone. I mean, because you got the MacBook, you got to get the iPhone because, you know, that's just the way it is. You know, you <laughs> get, get the, get the metal branding. I mean, get the fire brand on your arm right there and make sure you get that Apple logo on your forearm. Right. And it's just like, it always seemed a little bit too extreme to me. And then um, I remember when the iPhone started to get jailbroken. Yes. And because remember, uh, Jobs came out saying, if you're going to write software for the iPhone, you'll write it in Safari. Right. Yeah. Before the, before that. the app store, before any of those things. And then of course the, that the hack was on. It's like, nope, we're going to load software the way we want to load software. Exactly. And it was as almost, it was almost as if I had a couple of friends who were like really into the iPhones and they kept jailbreaking every iPhone that they got to the point where <laughs> it looked incredibly different. Um, but fundamentally the same. That's the thing that got me about it was that it, they would jailbreak it. So the icons were a bunch of different icons. The background could be changed to whatever background they wanted, but it was still a grid of icons. And then here came Android and. Out of the box, even before rooting the phone, you already had customizable icons and widgets and being able to create the home screen basically the way that you wanted it to be. The phone could literally feel 100% unique compared to someone else's phone. And I remember just that was the reason why I kind of gravitated to Android. Um, and I think my favorite memory of all time when it came to Android was when I had my old uh, droid from Verizon. And then Netflix came out for, for Android. And right. I was, I was in work. I worked at the, uh, tech student support center there, you know, so students would come in with their laptops and be like, I got a virus. I can't get my essay done. And you know, yeah. you just do fire scans and stuff. <laughs> and I would just, just, I, while the fire scans going, I'm just on my phone watching Battlestar Galactica. And I was just like, this, <laughs> like, this is the future. 
Exactly. The world is amazing. <laughs> did you ever play with Cyanogen? I did. Yeah. Cyanogen was, uh, since that, that particular phone I just mentioned was, was easily rootable. So once I rooted that phone for the first time with like, you know, gritty, like biting my fingernails because I was afraid I was going to break my phone. Uh, cause I, I knew I, I had no idea what I was doing. This is probably the closest I've ever been to actually like developing anything or even getting close to like what would be called development. Mm. Um, I remember putting Cyanogen on there and that even opened up the doors even more. So what is there that? Certain, so Cyanogen is, uh, well, okay. Back then it was considered just a, uh, a different version, a different iteration of Android that was not created by an actual manufacturer like the HTCs or the Samsungs. Okay. It was made by a group of developers who, who took a look at Android at large and thought, there's some features that are missing. We're going to go ahead and put those in there ourselves. Wow. Um, literally taking the open source nature of Android and really running with it. Did they give back to the core base? Uh, that's a good question because actually, um, over the last, let's say two years, Sanogen has been somewhat at odds with Google. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the sense that they have felt that Google's, uh, sort of rain tightening has been a little bit, ah, what's the word I'm looking for here? Dictator-like? <laughs> yeah. I mean, sort of, they were sort of, you know, if it's open source and it's open source and clearly Google, I mean, Google seems to have lost control of Android. Android has run rampant. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. Cyanogen guys are like, how about we make this really open source? Mm. Yeah. But they, it's like, it's like a fork that never came back. They have just gone their own direction. Yeah. And can you still run it? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And mm-hmm. yeah. what is, what are some of the, these missing features you speak of? Well, back then, the main missing features were um, like quick toggles for, I remember the, the biggest one that I remember was like quick toggles for um, certain settings. So if you wanted an easy way of, let's say, turning off the Bluetooth or turning on the Wi-Fi, um, Sanogen was one of the pioneers of actually making that front and center. You bring the bring the drop down from the top and there are all of your, it's kind of like the command center on your iPhone 6 Plus. Um, and uh Having just all of those quick toggles. I remember back then that was a huge deal. The, the, no, no regular version of Android even had that. Um, but nowadays it has more to do with security and what Sanogen has pushed very hard with their versions, at least more recently is, um, encryption across the board okay. in terms of communication. So when you send a text using the Sanogen messenger, that text is encrypted both ways. Wow. The thing that started with Cyanogen more than anything was getting the carrier wear out of there. You know, you're paying for data, but you're not allowed to tether with Bluetooth because the carrier doesn't want you to do that. And you just install Cyanogen and you have all of the features. What did you want to use? Hmm. Being able to switch between I want to use this map or that map or any of those kinds of things, like set it up the way you want to set it up. But I'm totally Mm -hmm. with you that today it's about real security. No backdoors. Yeah. So it seems like there's a little conflict of interest then between Google and the carriers, and maybe, and uh, the the companies that sell these services. Yeah, absolutely. And with with uh, with, with Google, obviously, when they started to sort of consolidate their software, create APIs that everyone would have to use. I think the most recent one, or rather the most recent uh, high-profile one, is the fingerprint API. Mm -hmm. So now Google has created the apparatus by which every company is going to use in order to make fingerprint uh, scanning a thing in all their phones. Um, But aside from that, every Android phone for many of the main manufacturers requires Google Play services. And that is a backend that will have the Google Play Store and Google Play Music, uh, Google Play Movies, Books, all of that stuff. Pretty much every little service is 
it, it stems from this Google Play services backend that has to be inside of every single one of these phones. And what Cyanogen and a number of people are saying is that if you don't adhere to all of the terms and conditions that, that, that it takes to have Google Play services on the phone, then there are no alternatives. Anyone that tries to make alternatives are basically being pushed out of the market because Google Play services is so permeated across all of the different markets, uh, even in America, out in Canada, out in even Asia in most cases, that none of these third-party developers who want to create their own version of, let's say, the Play Store or a music app or anything like that, that taps into Google's, let's say, databases, they, they're, they're being pushed out because no one wants to use them. No one, not really no one wants to use them, but mm. the, the alternative is not, is, is not even considered. Um, so in that case, you know, because actually out in China, most, most Chinese phones, uh, they don't, well, I'm not saying that they don't adhere to it. It's just inherently in China, they don't, they block all Google services. So now you have a bunch of Android phones out there that don't even have Google Play services. So you have to tap into Chinese, uh, Chinese, uh, services like Baidu. Baidu, is that the one? Um, uh, yeah, Chinese yeah. services that have apps. Yeah. Yeah. Weepo. And there's just like a half a dozen of them that are, are alternatives. And, and for those who aren't aware, Microsoft is strategically partnered with Cyanogen. They actually dropped a whole bunch of money on them too. I do remember seeing that article. I remember seeing that headline, but I don't, I, I didn't dive in far enough with that. I mean, you know, not, not to disparage either Cyanogen or Microsoft. It's just, I don't, I, I didn't have as much information with that one. Well, and, it's, and all you've really got is the press releases, right? And, and the fact yeah. that they are releasing versions of their apps specifically for Cyanogen as opposed to for Android. Mm. You know, not that I think they're all that different, but. They are, you know, deliberately not requiring coupling to stuff like Google Play, right? That there's other ways to get at the app. Hmm. But, you know, way back in the day when I first started playing with Cyanogen on the early phones, it was, it, it was trying to find alternative services that weren't always stuck in the Google orbit. So one of the things that Microsoft's clearly doing here is bringing Skype and OneDrive and OneNote and all of those kinds of tools to Cyanogen yeah. as well. Really? Yeah. It's just really interesting. This is sort of this underground thing going on that I think a lot of people just don't see that that that, that there is this alternative Android. Yeah, and if if the overall, I mean, let's put it this way, the um because Android is open source, theoretically what people are saying is that you should be able to take the shell of Android itself just to have a just to have a a jumping off point. And right. you should be able to create an operating system that is wholly unique, might have the somewhat look or the visage, if you will, of Android, but you don't want to have to rely on, on having, a, you know, a, 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 a one sign in for a Google service or a Google, you don't have to have a Gmail account, for you're example, not, you're right. not like, locked into services. Simple, exactly. Plain and simple. And I can totally see where, I mean, being, being an Android advocate myself, I do understand where they're coming from because I'm not saying that I'm locked into the Google services, but I will say that I enjoy them. You know, they yeah. have, they, they, they give me exactly what it is that I need. Right. But what I also understand is I'm a 20, I'm, I'm a late twenties. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just past millennial. I was about to say millennial. I'm just <laughs> past the millennial generation. Thank God. But, <laughs> um, Hey, Hey, now, a, come on now. <laughs> 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 well, let's, we worry about making friends here. <laughs> uh i know sorry freudian slipped there a little bit uh but i'm a late 20s uh young professional living in southern california 
I think the stakes are kind of low for a guy like me to stay with Google services because it's, it's right. sort of, per, it's permeated in my lifestyle, but mm-hmm. there are plenty of people out in a lot of other places who feel like they should have something a little bit different or like in China or even in India where let's say, oh, even in India, that's a good, that's a good example actually is, um, how Apple's ecosystem is basically running India in a way like the uh, iPhones are rampant out there and iTunes mm-hmm. is, is really the main way. And Android is out there true, but um, the alternatives aren't necessarily there when you have one huge ecosystem already in place. Yeah. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is. Uh, it must be that happy time again. <laughs> you know it. It's time to announce the new title for the last supper by Leonardo da Vinci. Oh, oh, boy. You ready for this? Yep. Shipping party for version two. <laughs> <laughs> One of you will betray me. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's clearly version two of God, right? It's, that's the joke. Mm-hmm. God V2. Judas messed up his code. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like every shipping party, there's always one guy. Yeah. Who knows his code isn't going to work. The subtitle might be <laughs> talk to the hand, Judas. Oh, boy. That's awesome. That's really cool. All right. It's actually time to give away a Telerik DevCraft collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first, have you ever used a product that was so bad you wondered whether the people who created it had ever used it themselves? (laughs) (laughs) No, never. No. ah, What are you talking about? Well, Telerik has been building the best UI (laughs) controls in the world for over a decade now, but more importantly, they've been using them in their own projects. That means they know what it takes to build real-world applications. And Telerik knows what makes developers want to pull their hair out, having shed some of their own. No more silly Northwind demos. Get real UI for real applications. Download Telerik DevCraft today and enjoy the most complete set of user interface components for .NET desktop, mobile, and web development. Try it today at Telerik.com slash DevCraft. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Ben Baker. Congratulations. Congratulations, Ben Ben. Baker. Golf clap for you, sir. And Ben just won the Telerik DevCraft collection, a big pile of awesome from our friends at Telerik. And if you don't know what we're doing here, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. In every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But you have to sign up to win. And now, Joshua, it's your turn. If you had $5,000 to spend on technology, any technology right now, what would you buy? Oh, man. Okay. So, full disclosure, the uh, for, for our listeners here, um, we were supposed to... Was it two weeks ago that we were supposed to uh, uh, record this particular episode? Yeah. Yep, I'm, being, yep. I'm being a little meta right now. Um, the, uh, but I, I woke up with, like, the worst, like... Not really. I was about to say hangover, but that's not true. Uh, I was about to, I woke up with the worst voice, I should say. And, yeah. uh, I was just not able to really talk as, as well as I should. Um, but it was since then that I kept thinking about, I thought about the question up until then. I was kind of shooting for the stars and stuff like that. And then I noticed over the last couple of weeks leading up to our actual recording time today, what I was looking at on Amazon more than anything else. 
So I'm a, as, as we mentioned before, I'm a YouTuber. Uh, yes, I am the host of our podcast at Android Authority, but my main job is uh, the head of production for our YouTube channel. So mm. I do flagship reviews and I create video content all the time. And then I noticed on, on Amazon, I was looking at a lot of camera stuff, like a lot of camera stuff. I'm always looking, I have camera envy way more than phone envy. So if I had to put down... <laughs> If I had to put down five grand, it would have to be for the newest Sony A7S II, which already clocks in at three thousand dollars. Wow! And wow! Yeah, it, that's without for a lens. For just the too. body. For Jeez. just the body. Um, three thousand dollars for an A7S II has great low light performance. It's a full frame camera, and then I'd probably get a couple of uh, maybe one lens after that, maybe a thirty five millimeter for about eight hundred dollars, and then an an adapter to use on that camera for all the lenses I already have, so I could still use those lenses. What lens set do you have? Are you a Canon guy or are you a, a a Pentax guy? I'm a Panasonic guy. I do love my mirrorless cameras, so I use Panasonic cameras. Uh, so I have a lot of Panasonic um, lenses, but I actually have one Sigma lens that's made for a Canon that I already adapt to my right. Panasonic. So wow. I would have to get the adapter, the appropriate adapter for the Sony when the time comes to be able to use this lens, which is a very common thing for us YouTubers to use. Um, so I would have to say like, because I've been wanting to upgrade my camera equipment for a long, long time. And yeah. then you guys asked that question. I was like, if I, oh man, if only. <laughs> well, that's a good way to spend it. I can't get past the Canon 5D, right? Or that whole that whole EOS line. Like, they're such good cameras. I'm I'm interested in that you like the Sony's. Yeah, I'm well mirrorless mainly because of the smaller form factors, you know. Because right. well, the mirror is ridiculous. I mean, let's be clear, right? The viewfinder's <laughs> stupid. We have big screens on the back of these bodies. Like, stop it! And I've even found cam- mirrorless cameras now that make the SLR click noise when you hit the flipping button. Yeah. Yep. It's very true. Um, and for a lot of people, it's, uh, well, the mirror, okay. So the mirror makes sense for photographers in general. But when it comes to video, having the mirror there is really dumb because yeah. a lot of uh, like the five, I think the 5D even has this problem where it has to move the mirror out of the way. Uh, well, yep. they all do that, but they has to move the mirror out of the way and let the shutter go. And it can only go for half an hour before it overheats. Wow. Right. And it's just because yeah. the motor's holding that mirror up. Mm-hmm. But, exactly. I mean, the mirror only makes sense if you're using a viewfinder and there's no reason to use a viewfinder because we now have big LCDs attached to this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can actually see and the viewfinder is not the exact frame of the of the uh, the CCD where the CLCD is the CCD. So you actually get a better look at your picture in the first place and a bigger look at your picture. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> or you can go hard mode and get a rangefinder. <laughs> yeah. Just get a rangefinder where it's literally what you're looking at. It's upside down too. Like, <laughs> yeah, like you, you can get as as crazy as you want over this stuff, but uh, it, yeah, it's very interesting. But I'm with you. The whatever you look at the Pentax or the Canon or the the Panasonic, their 4K is awesome. Yes. Or that that Sony, it's about three grand for a great mm-hmm. body. Hmm. Yeah, and you should always buy the body separate from the lenses anyway, because any I've never found the lens included with a body that didn't suck. Well, that's the thing. I, I was very interested in this is a, a total tangent, but it's, uh, it's totally fine. The uh, the um, the lens combo it doesn't exist for this new version of the Sony camera, and I think that's a travesty because when you have a full frame camera like that that does so well in low light, you can have a crappy yeah. lens. <laughs> so 
Yeah, and it still works. It still lo- it still works really well. Let's say you bump up uh, if it's like f three point five that lens, yeah. and you bump up the camera to like sixty four hundred ISO just to compensate. It'll still look really good because that's how good the camera is. So, mm. but now they they made it very deliberate. You're going to buy this body only, and I was like, you don't even get a lens with it. That's there's no kit. Like that, that. <laughs> Sony always knows better than you what product <laughs> you should buy and how you should buy it. I mean, that is a Sony tradition. We know better than you. <laughs> and overpricing their stuff. It's oh, always Lord. so overpriced. It's crazy. So, Joshua, do you get a chance to speak to um, Java developers who are doing Android? You know, not not really, actually. Um, our uh, On Android Authority, we do have a very small developer community in our forums. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're so consumer forward uh, that whenever a development thing comes up, we do have a couple of guys um, who are interested in development um, and our writing staff. Yeah. Uh, and every now and then they might. I remember our article on Xamarin got a lot of got a lot of play because they 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 worded it in such a way that made it exciting for people like me even to be like sure. oh wow you know i would love to see what microsoft is going to put out or really what this will put out for android and even ios because that's what xamarin's all about yeah right right one of the biggest things I saw from folks working in Xamarin was not even just the cross-platform thing, but the, if I build it this way, it works on more Android devices the first try. Hmm. That, that is a big deal, I have to admit. That is a big, big deal. So the fact that they've abstracted stuff so far that, that it can go, one code base can go on many Android devices, let alone, yeah. yeah. It's funny that that's important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, I actually had a question to to pose to you guys here. Sure. Um, it's obvious what applications. Uh, I mean, it's obvious because they're already on Android. You already have uh, Microsoft Office uh, or the different Office applications, I should say, like Word and Excel. Um, and one in particular that I hope Microsoft actually starts starts messing with soon because I used to use it all the time. Uh, Sunrise Calendar. Oh, uh, I still use it. You still use it? Well, the thing is, yeah. it hasn't on Android. It hasn't been updated since, and as I'm sure is uh, the case on iOS, it hasn't been updated for like a year and a half because that was when Microsoft took it. Right, and uh, supposedly they wanted to move everybody over to Outlook um, uh, on yeah. iOS. Anyway, it still works, and I I still use it. Um, it. I am finding it lacking in some features. Like if I take a something off my Google Calendar, it doesn't come off of Sunrise. Mm-hmm. Which is a little annoying, but uh, but changes get made. It's yeah. kind of weird, but uh, I don't know. Why do you guys like the Sunrise Calendar? What's the thing about it? It just works. For us that have never I, used I it. have like twelve different calendars that I follow. Yes. It's just the way. Yes, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it just it just works, and it works very well. I I, I just liked how elegant it looks because there's something right. about the Android built-in calendar, the the Google Calendar as it, as it is, that you know. I, sure, it's fine to have a scrolling look at your day, but what I liked about Sunrise was that it had that on the top, and then on the bottom you could you could take a look at a more like you know step back glance at like the upcoming week or the upcoming right. month and stuff like that. Like multitasking in a calendar, I think is very important. But I will admit this: once once I stopped using um, Sunrise. And even Evernote to an extent to to plan things out. I went back to pen and paper. <laughs> <laughs> so, really? 
Yeah, I actually have a notebook right in front of me right now that has right here. It has a circle to denote an event, and it says .NET Rocks, 10.30 a.m. Well, you're not alone. <laughs> yes. uh, there's a lot of people that still do that. You know, the sort of the flip coil notebook in the in the pocket protector, you know, with the mm. pen. You yeah. can't argue yeah. with the battery life. That's true. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And then you, when you, then you run out of pages and you're just like, well, I just got to get another one. Right. <laughs> uh, but the, qu- the question I was going to pose was uh, using uh, Sunrise is somewhat an example of this question I was going to ask where hopefully Microsoft takes what they've, let's say, acquired and finally sort of puts their best foot forward on things like Sunrise. But for what is not already in iOS or Android, what do you want to see make that cross-platform jump? Whoa. Uh yeah, I'm a very simple person when it comes to my apps. Like, uh, uh, there are apps that I use occasionally, like Uber, great app. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, maybe even Spotify, if I'm listening to music. But yeah, the day-to-day stuff is the calendar, the, you know, uh, and again, I'm using Sunrise, the chat, you know, messaging. I use um, WhatsApp with Richard because oftentimes when we're, uh, when he's not in uh, Canada, or we're overseas, it's actually faster not to go through SMS, just to go directly to uh, WhatsApp to message with him. And, um, you know, just the basic stuff. I, there aren't a lot of apps I use all the time. I use an app for um, managing my headphone mix in the band. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Just specialty things. I use a podcast app called RSS Radio. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Occasionally, I have I check out the .NET Rocks app. I'm not. I don't know. I guess it's a sort of anticlimactic that answer. <laughs> well, it's kind of funny you mentioned WhatsApp because that was originally a Samsung product, um, right? Which I think is hilarious. And now it's now so many people use it. Um, but yeah, that was just sort of like the question I was thinking of because I remember being at Microsoft Build and I thought to myself, "This is this is a very exciting time." Um, however. What is there already in the Microsoft ecosystem that needs to be ported over still? In other words, maybe too much, too little, too late? Maybe just a little bit, you know, because I mean, well, actually, my Samsung is not here anymore. I'm using an HTC phone. But I remember I remember pointing out um, when I was talking to a couple of people there at Build that, yeah, the Samsung Samsung actually built in Microsoft apps into the phone yeah. i can't i can't uninstall word i can't uninstall excel right not that i want to the office stuff is already there i think the sort of the public hot apps thing you know that that market is dwindling because the market is saturated with with apps that do mm-hmm. do various things but but company apps and corporate apps the there's an infinite market for those things right Okay. So that's, that's really where we're looking at. We're looking at, okay, you've got a business, you've got your employees, you've got your customers. You want to create this sort of ecosystem and give them access to the data and the, and the services and the, and the things that they need from your company. Now you've got it. Now you've got a platform to do it. Mm. You know, people who want to function from the phone and that happens more and more and more. It is. Is your bank there? Is your chiropractor there? Is your dentist there? Like those kinds of apps. Mm. And that's not even on the f- radar of WinPhone, right? Like yeah. you, I walk into my dentist like, hey, use our app. It's for Android and iOS. That's the norm. Yeah, that's true. You know, and yes, there's an Uber app for WinPhone, but it does not have all of the new features that it's in the Uber app, right? I fire up my Nexus and load up Uber and it's a completely different product, essentially. 
Yeah. So however they made the Uber app work in the first place and they've been keeping it limping it along for WinPhone, it's just not getting the love. And that's the reality of modern development is that it never it stops. And so you can't do a one-time cut for a product and actually make it a viable product. Yeah. Very true. And I suppose I was looking at it in one direction because I obviously the um, getting applications that are already made for, like you just said, with Uber, like uh, Android and iOS, having that functionality, having that become a like have, having a version of that on the Microsoft side. I, I totally agree with that. Also, I'm sure that um, on the Microsoft side of things, whatever the next Lumia phone might be, I know we, we just got a 950, but um, whatever the next Lumia phone might be or whatever the next uh, tablets there might be, then again, um, then again, Windows RT, it's a full version of Windows usually on the surfaces, right? Yeah. So, Yeah, but I mean, RT is largely going away now. It's just because Intel chipsets are efficient enough that we don't really need the ARM chipset anymore. You're not, you're not seeing any of that. But, you know, mm. you bring up an interesting point, which is the Android tablet story, to me, <laughs> is hugely frustrating. It really is. I, I totally agree. There's a reason why we stopped. Uh, okay, on Android Authority, I used to do tablets all the time, and I I, I really right. do like tablets. I'm not I'm not against them by any means. Um, but there's a reason why we opened up a new website called Tab Times, <laughs> because <laughs> aside from the aside from the actual hardware of a tablet, the the experience underneath the surface is it's I don't know. Nothing's really changed on tablets, and it is frustrating. I totally agree with you there. Yeah, because, I mean, there's iPad. When you really talk about tablet, you, you're really only talking about iPad. Because as soon as you go to Surface, which I have no complaints about, my, my daughters use them, I see them all over the place, they're really just sophisticated, you know, keyboard-detachable laptops. Yeah. And I think Microsoft's done a good job. Like, when you take your finger to a Surface, the UI literally changes to be more finger-friendly, which is amazing. But mm. it works so well, you don't even know what's happening. Yeah. And I think <laughs> I actually think some of these uh, what what would what would be considered otherwise Android manufacturers, uh, Samsung. I'm looking at Samsung. Uh, the uh, <laughs> they kind of see where the cookie where where the cookie crumbles a little bit because right their most recent uh, tablet offering is basically a Samsung version of a Surface, mm, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I thought was crazy. It was like Samsung, you traders, but well, and so did <laughs> Apple, right? Apple with their pen, iPad, iPad Pro. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Hey, we are sort of coming to a common ground on this. You know, and, it, and it, we talked about Cyanogen earlier, but mm -hmm. this week there was an announcement. This week when we're recording, there was an announcement about Google and Microsoft sort of burying the hatchet. They're dumping all of their FTC complaints against each other, dumping all their patent complaints against each other. Like, they're becoming more friendly. You're which like, makes was you this wonder. written on April 1st? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know what? I think all it would, other than paying lawyers, I don't know how it was serving either company. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, really? So I totally get and appreciate that it's a good idea that they're doing that. But it makes you wonder about their cyanogen rela relationship at this point. Like, what does that even look like? And and how weird would the world be if Google and Microsoft were, work were collaborating on something? I think that would be shocking. I mean, I love the dynamic between Google and, and Microsoft when it came to browsers. Like, JavaScript as a real language is because of those two teams. Right. Mm. The V8 engine and the Chakra engine mm. dueling back and forth. I mean, these used to send each other cakes every time they shipped a new version. <laughs> That's funny. And it elevated JavaScript massively. Like the world benefited from these two teams in sort of friendly competition with each other to make a better browser. 
So, you you know, I look at the same problem with the tablet space and go, could something good happen here? Because nothing's happening so far. Yeah. Hey, hey, Josh, do you, you've obviously seen the evolution of different versions of Android with their, you know, sort of sweet theme <laughs> names. Um, is there sure. any version that as a developer, we should just ignore like, oh, that was, that was the bad version. Nobody runs that, right? <laughs> it's funny you mentioned because again, I, I go back to the fragmentation issue. We're at M right now, Marshmallow. Whatever N is, no one knows what it's going to be called, but um, whatever that is moving forward, every time a new version of Android comes out, it also sort of retroactively kills an, a previous version mm. in terms of development, in terms of what would actually work. All of these major developers have to sort of be on their toes for, for that kind of thing. Like imagine if Uber worked on only N, and you know, they, they, that would never happen, but I'm just saying that right. moving forward, every single version. That said... Probably the earliest version at this point that, I mean, the late, the, the most recent version of Android that should sort of fall by the wayside is probably ice cream sandwich. Jelly bean still has, mm, jelly bean still kind of has a little bit of uh, market share in that sense. And people are still sort of supporting it, but it's after that where we got to KitKat where really a lot of applications uh, are have have permeated. Like that's the version. That's the that's the bare minimum version that All you right. need to have. So the last version of four. Yeah, the last version of four. Yes. Because I remember, I remember when we were first really talking about cross platform. We think back to the tablet show days and stuff in 2011. The evil version of Android was Froyo. <laughs> oh yeah, I was going to mention that. <laughs> yeah, like that was the evil one. It was the and the evil because it was old and popular, mm. right? That's it's the IE six of Android at the time. That's right. It's you the know? sixth version, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's also the it's also that attitude of it's old, non-compliant, and popular. Right. Mm. That's what makes it bad. If nobody used it, nobody would care. Right. But lots of people are using it. It's horrible to develop for. So the last version of 4 is now has now elevated itself to that position that is now KitKat is the painful one. Yeah, and if you if you see somebody with a phone and it's like, "Oh, you're still on KitKat." <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> dude. I don't want to I, I don't want to say that Android people actually talk like that. I'm just saying that <laughs> that's the <laughs> Oh, come on. We know you do. <laughs> but yeah, on the other hand, I mean, my Nexus 5 came with KitKat. It's upgraded to Marshmallow and it's struggling. Right? The yeah. newer operating systems are heavier. And they were they were saying with uh, with Marshmallow, um, even leading up to Marshmallow, that versions of Android were going to be somewhat streamlined to be able to support the older phones. But obviously, have when you, you have that? phones... No, not really, because obviously when yeah. phones are coming out with like Snapdragon 810s and 20s, like, of course, it's going to be made like not solely, but it's going to be made with that as the focus. So you yeah. put it on a phone like a Nexus 5 in your case, which, by the way, one of my favorite phones of all time. Um, sure, great phone. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's a bit of a travesty, you know, to be able to because even you had like take a page out of Microsoft's book, even, you know, you have Windows 10 that it basically revitalizes an older computer. Yes. Which I love. But you know, and I think this is the same issue with the phone as with older computers in Windows 10. The guys who write the drivers for the old hardware with the new OS are not the best guys, right? Mm. Your top tier devs, your most skilled guys, they're working on the new hardware with the yeah. new OS. That's and their true. drivers are leaner and smarter and faster 
And so the machines run better. And I think what happens is, you you know, it doesn't make sense to put a ton of time into that driver compatibility. You get it running, good enough, get it out the door. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and that's how they, they ultimately get punished. Yeah, for sure. The real question with Android N is what candy? That's why, yeah, I, I want to say Nutella, but... Nougat. Were, nougat. <laughs> New, nougat, yeah, nougat. Nougat, nougat, um, nut. I mean, hey, um, nut or butter. <laughs> I just found this. I just found this article. Um, thinking that there might be support for cyanogen and xamarin, and there is. I found an yeah. article that I'll link to from June eighth, uh, twenty fifteen, on Xamarin blog. Put some cyanogen in your Xamarin apps, and it's about a, a an open source firmware distribution of Android cyanogen mod. That's what cyanogen is, right? Right. Yeah. And uh, so. So there's a SDK for Xamarin. Interesting. Nice. That they announced in June yesterday. A Cyanogen mod SDK for Xamarin in the Xamarin component store. Then he shows you how to use it. It's pretty cool. So that's good. So if you want to just kind of avoid all of that bloatware and, you know, versions of uh, candied versions of uh, <laughs> Android, uh, <laughs> you can go with Cyanogen. I do. I, we, 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 we mentioned again, the carrier bloatware. I have to say, um, I've had, I've had this question a lot. Um, and I suppose, you know, with the large audience that is probably listening at this point to anybody that might ever ask me, you know, does your phone ever slow down or does I have to, I have to say the only, the only common factor I've ever had on any Android smartphone that slowed down over time was that it had carrier bloatware. Right. For, for every phone that I've ever had that was unlocked, that didn't have an AT&T app or a Verizon app or a T-Mobile app, they still remain about as fast as they did when they first, when I first got it. Um, people think that, you know, they, they keep putting all of their applications on there. They keep installing stuff and it slows things down. I just want to put it out there. That has never been an issue for me. And I put quite a few apps on my phones. It's only really when I have carrier already installed stuff on there that things right. seem to slow. Yeah. Well, you got to imagine that that carrier software built by carrier devs, because carrier's general mantra is you never upgrade anything on your phone, you buy a new phone, that the software is tuned for that particular device with that particular OS at that time. And as soon as you take it outside that space, it's just not going to run that well. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and who knows if their devs are actually um, updating the application to to be like, you, you could be using a version of that app <laughs> that was made for like a phone from a year ago. Yeah, sure. It just happens to be compatible with the new one you have now, but it hasn't been optimized for it by any means. Yes. So. <laughs> hey, Josh, before we go, uh, give me your impression of the HoloLens. I know you did the the, oh, yeah. the Mars thing when you were at Build and you loved it. And tell me I, about it. I did. Um, I thought, okay, for the, the first thing was, so I've already tried a couple of other, okay, uh, I'm going to say VR. I've tried a couple of VR uh, applications, mm -hmm. and those already feel, let's say, they already feel first generation in a way. They're, they're yeah. all, they, they're all these wires going everywhere. And, you know, I, God forbid anybody ever trips on the wire of the <laughs> HTC Vive. Yeah. Um, when I, I remember looking, coming into that Mars demo, taking a look at the HoloLens unit itself. And when I picked it up and put it on my head, I was like, that's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, where's the, where's, uh, where are the cables? There's no like HDMI cable. Like yeah, you're yeah. not broadcasting yeah. a thing to me right now. And that blew me away in a way because I, while I knew that detail about it, actually having it on my head and being able to walk around a room mm. that had content being already augmented onto the reality around me, 
that was that was I thought that was really great. I want to use Hololens in that practical environment though. That like, I wasn't able to do the home demo. Yeah. Um, I really want to be able to do that, and I want to see if you know because how okay i'll ask you guys how practical is it for you guys to be able to walk into your home at the end of the day and put on hololens <laughs> and yeah, that's I'd, what you have on your head the rest of the day i don't think that's where the uh where the the real market is um, mm -hmm. to tell you the truth um maybe there's you know games and things like that but i i think right now especially with this set of technologies that is the hololens in other words the field of view being more narrow than people would like i really think that the the, the key here is business communication and collaboration. So let's imagine that you're sitting at a table and you can see the, the hologram in front of you, but you're sitting. So your field of view doesn't really need to be big. You don't need to look around the room and, and see a lot sure. of things that are jumping off the walls and whatever. But you're looking at a hologram, you're collaborating on it in real time. Um, maybe it's just in the center of the room and you can walk around it. Or it's on a table and you can walk around it. But but the thing itself is pretty much, you know, small enough so that it fits inside the field of view. I think that kind of thing is really where this version of the current version of the HoloLens will shine. I do agree with that. And I remember um, I caught on the live stream, rather. Um, I, I remember I couldn't, I couldn't make it over to uh, Moscone uh, in time, but I watched the live stream of the keynote. I think it was on the second day. And Cat, Caterpillar, they created a HoloLens version of one of their tractors or whatever the case may be. Mm and literally blew it up like you had a small little you opened they opened up uh using hololens with the hololens on they opened up a magazine for a caterpillar catalog mm. and there was a little just a small little like 3d model of uh of, of a tractor or one of their vehicles and then you just blew it up and then you could see every little part of it so you could reference you know oh this part this part that part what it actually looks like in real time at, at an actual scale mm. augmented into the floor in front of you and i thought yeah the business application would be immense i do agree that that's that's, that's very true um like i said we're still in first generation <laughs> because if you're going to be sitting in a conference room and you're about to do a video conference call where you're going to augment some stuff onto the wall or onto even the person you're talking to mm. when they see you on the other end you're gonna have this huge thing on your head right <laughs> and i just wonder like you know marketing is going to be huge for all of these different ar and vr platforms how are you going to make it seem like this is the norm when clearly a lot of people are using it in the case where they don't think it is right I, I do deep down think the visor is the visor concept, the AR concept is the replacement for the smartphone. It may not be this generation. We might, it might be a little while from now, but it is everything you wanted from your smartphone and more. So it, it kind of makes sense to me that inevitably this is where we're going to end up with it. Yeah. Mm. Well, Josh, thanks for spending this hour with us. It's been great talking to you. Oh, yeah. I had a lot of fun. Thank you guys very much. You're welcome. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios. 
a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and of course in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Transmit a band by the MCC. Yes, I'm a, a boy. Life is hard.